0: Welcome to the winged wheel podcast here to talk all things hockey are your hosts brad crisco ryan Hanna, and evan lobsinger
1: Evan your grand plans for doing a winged wheel podcast hot ones and you've been championing this for a long time Like you actually talk about it when we finish recording and you're like, when are we gonna do this? And uh, I've been led to uh, understand that you are now out on the Winged Wheel Podcast Hot Ones idea.
0: I will still do it, but I am not doing de Bomb.
1: That's not Hot Ones, then. That's just like eating wings that are spicy.
0: I will never put that hot sauce in my mouth ever again.
1: <laughs> are you okay?
0: No. I don't know if I can taste anything still. Huh. Yeah, we're, I'm not doing that. We can skip that and do other ones, but I'm abs- I'm not even. I'm not giving them my money <laughs> to purchase than to have to endure that pain again.
1: Evan filed a complaint the other night. <laughs> you lost feeling in your hand. Was it? While
0: I lost feeling in both my hands. I got like cold shivers, like f- ten minutes after, because my body was done sweating. <laughs> and i chugged all the milk at the cottage so it was pretty good
1: all right so we're definitely doing wing wheel podcast hot ones right i mean when you were talking
2: about just nice spicy hot wings like yeah i'm fully on board with that
0: everything was I'm, all good until that one
1: yeah i'm not on board with like you know just drinking straight up battery acid i look i'm i got to tell you if we do it where it's like we answer hockey questions and give hockey takes objectively our best takes will come when we're in severe gastrointestinal distress and our mouths are on fire that'll be the best content the the podcast has ever put out in terms of like being right <laughs> welcome to the winged wheel podcast folks we are back here to talk to you about detroit red wings hockey uh the world of the nhl international hockey and everything in between i'm one of your hosts ryan Hanna. i'm brad crisco and i'm evan on this episode of the winged wheel podcast we are going to be talking a little bit about um one of the most interesting Detroit Red Wings coming into next season uh, that isn't you know, Mo Sider or Lucas Raymond, and that's Jacob Verana and what we're expecting of him, depending on whether or not he plays a full season. Uh, we'll talk about what the Tim Stutzle contract means for Lucas Raymond, uh, some other uh, bits of Red Wings news or Red Wings related news, and then we'll uh, take a look at what's happening across the league before uh, jumping into overtime. Uh, but before we do that, I want to let you know about Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA. Tickets are now available on sale. Go to DetroitRedWings.com slash WWP or go to the link uh, in the description of the episode or check out our Twitter page at Winged Wheel Pod and uh, we have it there as well. So what it is, is we've partnered with the Detroit Red Wings uh, for the third time to run Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA. There is a pre-game live podcast featuring Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond, uh, and us three schlops before the game uh, at Little Caesars Arena, so you can watch that, listen into that. There, the bar will be open there for you to uh, buy drinks if you would like. There will be food available for you. Um, there's going to be merchandise giveaways, uh, everything in between. It's it's a really fun time. There's a meetup with um, Ken and Mick and us for a little bit longer. Evan is going to be try to set uh, be trying to set a world record for autographs signed.
0: That's right.
1: Uh, And then your ticket not only gets you into the event, but also the game. That's October 29th against the Minnesota Wild. uh, And you can sit in any one of uh, many Windwheel podcast seating sections. So we have the entire gondola reserved. We have the upper bowl. We have lower bowl sections. uh, Anywhere you want. All tickets come with a Winged Wheel podcast discount, and most importantly, a portion of the proceeds uh, goes to benefit the Jamie Daniels Foundation. After the game, we're going to be continuing the party at Harry's uh, Detroit, and it's overall a blast, so we hope to see you out there. Uh, This thing's growing, and tickets are going fast, so make sure you get yours today. Evan, my auditor, did I miss anything? Did you say the tickets were discounted? I said the the tickets were discounted. That's all. I That was the only request I had. Beautiful. So uh again we're blown away by how many of you have already bought tickets we're gonna run out again it's a good problem to have but uh seriously thank you and get yours if you want them okay the detroit red wings Uh, actually before the detroit red wings let's give a shout out to uh, mickey redmond inducted into the michigan sports hall of fame i love all the recognition ken and mick are getting lately especially you know like you think about color commentators the the unique and just absolutely joyous flair that Mickey, Red, Mickey Redmond brings to the game next to Ken is, it deserves recognition. So uh, I'm happy he's been inducted into the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame, but also for his illustrious hockey career. He used to score like no one's business too. So yeah, when you're, when you're the first 50 goal scorer in the history of an original six franchise, it's pretty significant. Yeah, people forget that. Uh, you know, some people are actually surprised to remember that Mickey Redmond or learn that Mickey Redmond played. And that's okay. It wasn't recent. I know he looks young, but it wasn't recent, so good on Mick, and uh, genuinely are. They both genuinely are the best crew in the NHL, pound for pound. Okay, the Detroit Red Wings. Let's talk about Jacob Verana, who, you know, if you told me that Jacob Verana would have had uh, a devastating injury to start his first full season with the Red Wings and has only played really a handful of games since being traded for Detroit, I would have been upset. But what is the prevailing opinion about Jacob Rona to date and about his time in Detroit? It's
2: pretty good. To say the least. It's pretty good. Um, Like, let's not forget, too, the um, weird circumstances he was coming from out of Washington. Because he spent a good amount of time in Washington, won a cup with Washington. And even Washington fans weren't fully sure what he is. Because the talent was obvious. The fan base loved him. He seemed to produce at a very good rate, but could never get off the third line in Washington. I understand a good team and a lot of talent in front of him, but never got off that third line. So coming to Detroit, it was always a question of, well, when he gets a bigger opportunity, are those per 60 numbers going to hold up? Or at least, you know, be reasonably close, because I think they were high to the point of that probably can't happen. Um, and then obviously he gets the handful of games in his first season after the trade gets injured, misses most of the next season. So we've really only got two seasons of him and both those sample sizes were very short. Uh, but those two sample sizes were very good. What I think I took the most from those sample sizes is that at this point now I've got at least a very good idea of what jacob verona is as a player the production question mark's probably still pretty big you know he's not the fastest guy in the world he doesn't play a physical game at all but he is one of the most talented shooters in the nhl and he is a very smart hockey player he gets to the right areas at the right time makes the right play and then when you can release a puck like he can uh, it's a pretty deadly combo um so, yeah, do I think he's going to be the 40 to 50 goal scorer that a lot of his, the that those small sample sizes in Detroit would lead you to believe? No, probably not. Um, especially the first season with Detroit. I think that pace was unsustainably ridiculous. Um, but is there a real legitimate chance that Verona walks into, you know, Little Caesars Arena this year and
1: pumps in 30 to 35? Yeah, I, I think that's on the table. So just to recap, Jacob Ronan, his after being traded to Detroit, played 11 games, eight goals, three assists for 11 points, was electric from start to finish. Uh, Again, like Brad mentioned, that small sample size. And uh, the next season, you know, played, was late to training camp uh, because of, you know, international players coming in and COVID and flights and everything. A lot of players came in late, Uh, late to training camp, I think was on the ice for under five minutes, was it? Took a hit, (laughs) separated his shoulder you know messed up his shoulder needed surgery and was out and only played 26 games but in those 26 games scored 13 goals and added six assists for 19 points so missed a whole season essentially from being rusty and recovering from surgery and still um produced like brad said at probably something that should be unsustainable but hey he's in the limited time he's been here he's shown quite a bit um he had an interview with 32 thoughts uh, in their little european media tour there and he talked about this offseason he's working on his speed and he's working on his uh adding some weight to to make sure he's adding some muscle and some strength so if you had to focus on a couple parts of his game is let's stay on the ice more you know not get injured so often it's a tough league to play in so that's good and like you said brad if he needs to work on his foot speed then at least he's cognizant of that so
0: yeah like the biggest key to success for jacob rana is staying healthy yeah and if he can do that, I think he's got all the chance of success this year, either playing with Dylan Larkin or Andrew Cops. So that's
2: should be focus number one for him. Yeah, it's interesting to note with those numbers too. He's basically spent no time with Larkin. He he had some windows there between like injuries and you know Bertuzzi's status, but for the most part, he was on the second line and was still producing at that clip. Obviously, he played with Larkin on the power play. Um, but man, you know, whoever he ends up playing with this year, I I don't know if there's a way you break down this roster where his line mains aren't going to be a dramatic upgrade over what he's played with in his, what is it? 37 games so far.
1: Yeah. He's like you mentioned, Evan, his, he, his best ability next season that he needs to work on is availability. Have I been... Locked and loaded with that line since the start of the podcast, yes. And I'm not apologizing for that. Uh, but yeah, what that leads to is what Brad was alluding to. This is a much better Red Wings team to be playing on. Whether it's on the power play or whether it's with hopefully regular top six minutes, he'll be playing with much more capable line mates. You know, there was a concern or at least a a lot of attention put on when he had Philip Zadina opposite him when he was playing last year. Because, you know, Zadina had an altogether poor season and it was... You want Verona to elevate Zadina, but there's a chance the inverse happens and Zadina drags him down. Fortunately, what happened was Verona did maximize Zadina's abilities and we saw much better Philip Zadina than uh, what we were used to. And, and that time with Larkin was, you don't need to see a lot of those two together to know that that's electric, but yeah, Verona's going to have every opportunity. Basically, if he stays healthy, all the tools are at his disposal and he should have a career year. His best season in 69 games. Nice. 25 goals and 27 assists for 52 points in 2019-2020 with the Caps. That was his best season in terms of output. You know, this Red Wings team is going to be a perfect storm. He might play his way onto that first line. You know, we've seen Tyler Bertuzzi go down the lineup, not necessarily be glued to that top line before, depending on what COVID rules are. We don't know if he'll be able to play in Canada. There's no indication of changes quite yet um, on either front. So he might get that top line status and again like you mentioned heaven Andrew Kopp is a second line center so that second line is going to be getting a lot more minutes it's not going to be just like Larkin, Raymond, Bertuzzi or whoever else glued to the ice all of that said what are your minimum expectations what do you think would be a good year and what is your you know pos like absolutely unreal year within the realm of possibility
2: well, I put my baseline at that nineteen twenty season with Washington, because again, that was on the third line. He's gonna get a bigger opportunity here, a lot more minutes, and you know, just the natural improvement of a hockey player over time. And craziest realm with what's in the realm of at least possibility. I mean, it's only thirty-seven games, but so he's been scoring at basically a fifty goal clip with the Red Wings. So, you know, I'm not holding him to that sample size, and I'm not holding him to that pace. But he's been doing it, so it's within the realm of possibility. Like Anybody who says it's not possible is lying to themselves just because, again, for basically a half a season sample size, that's about where he's been. Yeah, just uh, 46 and a half goals essentially is his pace. Exactly. So, yeah, that's very much within the realm of possibility. Again, not what I expect, but I would say somewhere between that 25 and 50 mark are all in play,
1: and I would consider all of them good depending on context well we'll know more once we know who jacob rana is primarily playing with right um there are other players who will benefit more from his playmaking ability which again i think is pretty significantly overlooked because he's such a uh, flashy shooter um so i like using that season that washington season brad as a benchmark 25 27 for 52 I think that, I think if Verona can just come through and and put 25 goals in, anything else in in terms of the assist column isn't just like moot or or only a bonus, but yeah, 25-25 would be good. I think that's provided a full season. That's what you would hope to see from Verona. I think a good season and, you know, where you can walk away saying, wow, Verona's great uh, and I'm really happy as a Red Wings fan. I don't think it's too high of expectations to say 35 goals. He's going to get significant power play time. As long as he stays healthy, he'll have the linemates to do it and they can move him around the lineup. So it's not like he's the only shooter on Detroit. I think 35, I think 35, 30 for like 65 to 70, 70 points, 35 goal mark is fair. And yeah, I, I would say 45 goals would be the, let's not write him down. Let's not pencil him in for that, but it wouldn't be crazy to see him in the uh, NHL, you know, goal scoring race for a pretty f- significant term into the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it all comes down to how long he remains injury free. I wouldn't bet any money that he would play. He'll play all 82, so I'd say anywhere you know 25 to 35 goals is very comfortable. Um, he could very well pop off for more than that. Um, so in terms of total points, it doesn't really matter to me. I, I think if he gets 25, 35 goals and contributes equally in some facet in terms of assists, then he's doing some playmaking as well. So if he's somewhere around, I don't know, 60
1: to 70 points, I think that's an excellent season. He has a cap hit right now of uh, $5.25 million. And he has one more season after 22-23. So two more years left on his contract. He'll be 28 years old at the end of it. When the Red Wings traded for him they were on a different trajectory than they are now. And that has been aided by not just, you know, the incredible amount of free agents that Steve Eisman has brought in, in the past few months, uh, but also by the phenomenal seasons of Moritz Seider and Lucas Raymond, which have accelerated the rebuild by a year, two years, depending on who you ask. I personally was saying, I think Verona will be traded by the end of his contract, just based on the Red Wings trajectory at the time. I'm not so sure of that now. Um, what do you expect for Verana in these last two years in terms of his status with the Red Wings, a possible extension, you know, what to potentially look out for as comparables? Anything jump out to mind, uh, jump up to mind for you? Or is it just too early to tell?
2: Yeah, I can't even form a coherent thought based on 37 games on that one right now. Um, two years gives them a ton of time to figure it out. Um, because he's not even eligible for an extension until next summer, so you know, this season's obviously gonna go a real long way, and Steve Eiserman doesn't he's not afraid to make hard decisions. So if uh, coming near the end of that second season, the Red Wings still aren't in the playoffs, yeah, they're gonna have a really good idea what Vron is by that point, you would think. So they're either signing something or he's gone i I don't think the Red Wings in two years are gonna be at the point where just keeping guys for the sake of keeping guys and then letting them at the walk at the end of the contract is going to be an option yet. So um, my mind, they've got about a year and a half to figure it out and then something's going to have to happen. But with what we've seen, yeah, theres
1: I can't give a good opinion on that yet. Based on all of our expectations, you know, all of us said, yeah, minimum 20 to 25 goals. Well, 25 goals would put him as the third leading goal scorer on the Red Wings last year. And, i think brad you and i both said 35 i i'm sure you 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 mentioned something higher as well basically we're all expecting and and a lot of red wings fans are expecting jacob Verona to be the premier goal goal scorer on the detroit red wings we are expecting him to lead the red wings in goals barring you know larkin or raymond or bertuzzi just netting a ton more or you don't know what perron's going to do of course or or cop but if you're expecting this guy to be your leading goal scorer, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at age 28, you have a lot of other things to answer between now and then, including Larkin, including Bertuzzi. Uh, you know, you're know, you going to have to start looking at what you're going to do with Raymond and Sider, and then Philip Ronick is going to be a RFA with Arbright's that same year too early to tell is fair and I I'm gonna say not so much because of the performance like you mentioned Brad but just because the rest of the cap structure has to come in and the performance of the team as well you know let's say the Red Wings come in and they're a better team but it still looks like this makeup this DNA isn't quite it and they're just going to need something else Verana is going to be the main piece in my mind that's dangled in front of people other teams him and Bertuzzi depending on what Bertuzzi's contract status is so I'll say it's, I'll call it 50-50, whether or not Verona's on this team in, in 2024, 2025.
0: Well, he'll be looking to make that last big pay, payday. So I think the Red Wings need to identify who the core pieces are and resolve those first, unless he is part of that core. Otherwise... This season and the part of next will be the big indicator of what Jacob Verona's worth is. If he pops off and you're like, well, we can't afford this contract. Someone's going to want that guy at the trade deadline or or before. So they've got lots of outs, which is nice.
1: Yeah, there's no guaranteed path here. And you know what? If Verona's going in there and popping in 40 goals. In you one, probably want to keep him. Yeah, he, you, you generally want to keep 40 goal scores. Um, Unless you're Chicago. Um, <clears throat> it's a good point. Just do what Chicago does, which is, I know I know this is across GMs, but sign Seth Jones and then do whatever it is they've been doing. Just kind of a, they, they're a mess. Which you'd love to see, personally. Seth Jones, the NHL's biggest
2: weapon to getting to the salary cap floor. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, that contract is so bad. It's so bad. He wanted out of Columbus because he didn't want to do a
1: rebuild. Well, whoops. I mean, I wouldn't be upset if I'm making that much money. I'll tell you that. Fair. Uh, In the thing that I loved about Verona's interview with uh, 32 Thoughts, he he mentioned that he's, uh, it's a rare occurrence, but he actually lives in downtown Detroit, very close to the arena. And they were asking about it. He was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm not a morning person. (laughs) And I, uh, it's just, you know, how it is. You need to be outside in the cold and it's a whole thing. So the dude literally lives near the arena because he likes to sleep and hates the cold and i have just never related more personally to an nhl player in my life
2: so in future overtime questions for this podcast uh which red wing are you the most like my answer is jacob rana don't need to answer it
0: who's
1: mine yours yeah. mark Stahl, former red wing but you definitely mark Stahl.
0: i think i appreciate that
1: yeah, i don't think it's an insult who's who's which current red wing is evan most like current, current wing. red wing Bertuzzi has way too much energy so you're not Tyler Bertuzzi maybe Ben Sherrod actually
0: I can't say I really know what Ben Sherrod is like
1: I have it Rasmussen
0: I don't have that crazy look in my maybe I do I
2: don't know (laughs) no you do
1: Rasmussen's (laughs) eyes are like wide open and yours are always
2: half closed yes as you can Rasmussen is a man of very few words that's true Evan's a- and generally the biggest person in the room when
1: he's in there, and if we're just counting this room. I know I've to- I've said this quite a bit on the podcast, but whenever people in my life who, d- who aren't hockey fans, so they don't listen or anything, uh, they ask me about you two. They're always intrigued because they're like, these two guys, you see them more than anyone who isn't your fiance? I'm like, yeah. Uh, And they ask what you two are like. And I describe Brad in detail, vivid detail, with only friendly words, I promise. Uh And for Evan, I'm like, think of a generic hockey player. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's Evan. (laughs) (laughs) You just look like a hockey player's hockey player. Take that as you will.
0: I will take it as I will.
1: You are, if I saw you in like a Bauer ad tomorrow, I'd say, yeah, that makes sense. You'd never
0: hear from me again.
1: You think that's going to be your big payday? No, it definitely is. <laughs> uh, Jacob Rana, let us know what your expectations are for him. And it's way too early two two seasons left on the contract. And I think the, the summary of that whole discussion is. Don't get hurt. It, well, yes, don't get hurt. It's too early to tell. Mm-hmm. It's going to depend on his performance. It's going to depend on the team's performance and basically what contract demands might be. Just enjoy the ride. I can't wait to see him hopefully play a full season and just fill that net. Let's talk about uh, Tim Stutzla and his contract, because I think that's Red Wings relevant. Tim Stutzla extended. Actually, tell us, Brad, how they announced his extension.
2: Okay, so this kind of to make to kind of complete the picture here. Remember way back when in the early days of the salary cap, Gary Bettman's infamous line of hockey fans don't care about the salary cap? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, it turns out they really, really do. And uh, teams have not caught on to the fact yet that, no, um, when you sign a player to a contract, it's good content. Lean into it. Don't just... You know,
0: send out the tweet
2: tweet without telling us AAV or anything. Red Wings social team. I love you. I know
1: that's not your fault. (laughs) No, they've been sending like the Red Wings used to not announce AAV and now they just announce it in a tweet. Yeah. And I like that the Red Wings have actually been breaking it before reporters. I think it's hysterical. The fact they break it before reporters is good, uh, which is relevant to the story with Stutzler's
2: contract. Uh, First off, so the, I didn't watch the press conference. I don't know the purpose of the press conference, but there was a part about it was the Ottawa Senators 30th anniversary so they wanted to have a 30th anniversary dish food whatever you want to call it for in arena so they decided on poutine you know they're they're right next to Quebec makes absolute perfect sense
1: what the hell do I love the Ottawa
2: Senators You won't in a second. So (laughs) uh, I guess what they were going for, and I I was listening to something where Ian Mendez was talking about this and describing it in in, uh, adequate detail more than I ever needed in my life. They wanted the the poutine to kind of resemble the colors of the Ottawa Senators logo. So you can already imagine in your head where this is going. I don't know the full ingredients, but I know it involves uh, black gravy and flaming hot Cheetos.
1: Look. (laughs) I understand that a lot of you are going to be very angry at what I'm about to say because I'm a poutine purist. I really am. Um, but my, I know you love Flaming Hot. I love Flaming Hot, Cheetos, yeah. Flaming Hot, anything. First of all, if you have a poutine and it has cheese curds this and is gravy and fries. not a poutine. We're not doing this again. No, then it's a poutine. And I'm fine with extra toppings. And if you want to call it a specialty, like, you know, one-off, whatever, do what you want to do. It has to have gravies, cheese, curds, fries, whatever. Anyhow. Bread. So like
2: if I put shredded trees on a fruit that's unacceptable. But Flaming Hot Cheetos, we're on board.
1: Look, I know it's I objectively. I haven't done of those
2: things for the record, but still.
1: I know it's objectively gross, but I want to try it.
2: <laughs> so anyways, I have no idea what, what the actual purpose of the press conference was. I just remember that little tidbit of it. But at the end of it, when the reporters were getting ready to leave, Pierre Dorian basically said, hey, everybody, wait a minute. We have an announcement and um, I guess he hyped it up like big, huge announcement. One of the greatest days in Sen's history, however they framed it. And so he walked to the back and then he walked back out with Tim Stutzler. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. And then, yeah, so they were talking a bit and he goes, hey, hey, Tim, how'd you like to be a Senator for eight more years? And sure, you'd love to. And then they literally signed the contract. In front of the audience at the press conference, which is just fantastic. That's really cool. Love that. Absolutely. A plus showmanship for something that fans are legitimately interested in. So make a show of it. So especially for, you know, uh, late August, early September content, bravo. Well done. The summer of Pierre
1: continues. I'm so sorry. Flaming hot Pierre summer. Oh,
2: that's
1: (laughs) right. That's right.
2: Ryan, I need you to know if that's not the episode title, we're not friends anymore.
1: <laughs> wow, this would have been a way better day if we were a Sentence podcast. So, the contract that shoots the line. Any Sentence podcast listening, feel free. To yeah. Hear it. The the contract that shoots the line, he has one more year on his ELC, and then in 23, 24, the contract kicks in. It's an eight year, $8.35 million contract, uh, limited no move clause for the last four years. All base salary, no signing bonuses, no performance bonuses, obviously. So um that is a significant contract for uh how old is he now? He's twenty right now. He'll be twenty one when that contract starts. It'll take him to age twenty nine. Um and
0: it's gonna be small peanuts year six, seven, eight. It could be small peanuts if he pops off immediately. that immediately.
1: I like I understand it's big money. I understand it's a lot of money, but if you had to pick Certain young players who you pretty well know what they're going to be, provided something catastrophic happening, like Stutz is one of them. I think this is a good bet by Ottawa. This is how you succeed in the NHL nowadays, unfortunately,
2: as the risks come with it, but you look at the teams that compete year in year out, they have one or two of those superstar level con- uh, players on very not superstar contracts, Colorado you know won a cup with. McKinnon on a sweetheart deal. Calgary was a top team in the West last year with Goudreau on a sweetheart deal. Uh, Florida was one of the best teams in the East. Uh, They won the President's Trophy with Hubert and Barkov on sweetheart deals that they signed early, young, when they were unproven. And then you'd hope Dreisaitl signed a very similar contract to Stutzla with very similar production. I think Drysaddle uh, had one more year of experience under his belt when he did that. And and people thought the Drysaddle one was an overpay at the time. I still can't believe that because I remember
1: when he signed Oh, no, it. he
2: had a very mediocre first two years. So it was kind of like he finally put together that 70, 80-point season in year three. And then Edmonton just threw the entire bank at him. So everybody thought. Now it comes off as a bargain. You want to be successful in the NHL, this is what you have to do. You have to identify who your young stars are before they get there. And sign these contracts because, again, it's all relative to percent of a cap. Now, you know, what was Nathan McKinnon's six-point whatever when he signed it versus Tim Stutz's 8.3 now? Percent of cap, probably pretty close, at least closer than you would think. Um, So, again, yeah, if we, you know, the players pay back what they owe the owners and the salary cap starts skyrocketing and all of a sudden, you know, Tim Stutz's 10% of the cap is then only 8% of the cap. That's a huge difference, right? Um, so yeah, I think Stutzla is a pretty good bet to make, um, more, more sure of the Stutzler bet they made than the Josh Norris bet they made. But, um, if both of those pan out, they're, they're laughing and that's how you, that's honestly one of the key building blocks to building a contender in the NHL these days. And, uh, you have to hit when you do it and you have, but that means you have to take the gamble.
1: 8.63 at the time of signing for Nathan McKinnon versus 10.12 for Tim Stutzler. So a percent and a half isn't as far as off, far off as people think you're right, Brad, yeah. but oh my God, McKinnon signed for way less than he should have his whole career. But McKinnon also had a rough
2: few years to start. Stutzler, I don't think at any point has underperformed what people thought.
1: Here's the interesting conversation and you raised this on Twitter, Brad. What does this mean for Lucas Raymond? I think there are some key differences. Tim Stutzler plays center and will play center continuing and you know they talked about something that really i thought was really smart and made a lot of sense which was tim strutsla is now coming on to an ottawa senators team that is getting better he is going to be the centerpiece of that team and he is now surrounded by new star players like claude drew and alex de and you know by all rights everyone else around him is getting better and better he is due for even better production you know, barring injury or, you know, a little slump, smarter to lock that in. Now it's smarter to lock that in. Now the cap is lower. All of that considered. What does that mean for Lucas Raymond who came in and had by all rights comparable production in his rookie year to Tim Stutzler?
2: Yeah, I, I think this is almost too good of a comparison. Um, because what, Fundamentally are the differences between Lucas Raymond and Tim Stutzler, like production wise, an expected contract, outside of the fact Stutzler's played one extra year and is a center. They were drafted one pick apart. They're both high talent, high production forwards. Um, you know, they're both on teams that are starting, like you just mentioned, in the upswing, and the talent around them is only going to get better from this point. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if I'm Steve Eisman and Lucas Raymond's agent, I, I <laughs> next summer's
1: negotiation should be pretty straightforward, I would think. The argument, so the argument in favor of Stutzler getting that money and maybe if Raymond doesn't get as much is, oh, well, you know, Stutzler plays center and Raymond doesn't. Yep. The argument Lucas Raymond and his agent might make is, well, Tim Stutzler in his second season put up 58 points. I in my first season put up 57. At the same age, though. At the same age and there's a whole thing about ice time and how much exposure, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, you're right. Like it's, this is going to be a pretty good model. And I'm actually curious to see what other teams who have players in similar positions do. All eyes are going to be on Detroit though, because, you know, with Raymond and Cider both, you know, having to sign in the same season, Cider probably should come in higher, um, that template, you know, what would you say about an eight by eight for Lucas
2: Raymond? That's about experience. what I'm expecting. Depending if he pops off for 80 points this year, though,
1: that number goes up. Yeah, it really does. Do you consider shorter term if you're the Red Wings? Only consider this from Steve Eisenman's perspective, not Lucas Raymond. No,
2: absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, again, in the same thing, uh, Ian Mendes piece I was uh, listening to about um, the Flaming Hot Cheetos. He, he did talk about, um, some quotes from Tim Stutzler's agent where Stutzle wanted a bridge contract because, you know, for a player, that is probably the right approach. Make your six, seven, eight mil on a three-year deal, whatever it is. And then when you're 24, 25 years old, get paid eight years again, right? You probably get paid better for those first three years than you will for your, the first three years of your thirties. Uh, and he said, Pierre said, no, we're not interested in that at all. Let's just talk numbers on an eight-year deal. If I'm Steve Eiserman, I'm taking the exact same approach. There is no bridge deal that I would even discuss. Uh, The Red Wings obviously are going to be in their window in an eight-year contract extension for Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider for that. And if they're not, it means something went catastrophically wrong. So it doesn't even matter at that point, honestly. Yeah, Um, It just is maximizing trade value at that point, but I'm hoping that's not the reality we have to deal with. So yeah, if I'm Steve Eiserman, I'm walking to Lucas Raymond and going, it's gonna be eight years. Let's figure out uh the bonus structure and the AAV, and that's all we're talking about.
0: I think one aspect of it too is Pierre Dorian is not Steve Eiserman, so how they go about doing these deals is probably drastically different. And some people get more money out of other GM or from GMs than others, and some representation of the players. They get more money for their players than other agents. I think a very another key data point in all of this will be what Jason Robertson gets
1: paid. Dallas owners in shambles right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like yeah, Jason Robertson has popped off way more than Tim Stutzla has thus far.
1: Also a couple years older, I'm pretty
0: sure. Two or three years older. I think he's like twenty-two or twenty-three, I think. He is. But I think it's a close enough data point that it it will help figure out where he is on this the pay scale. Um so it'll be interesting to see what what happens with that um uh, between Jason Robertson and Dallas as well. But eight by eight wouldn't bother me one bit because unless COVID's COVID two electric boogaloo comes around <laughs> uh eight by eight's gonna be peanuts in years six, seven, eight.
1: You know that you mentioned Dorian and Eisman are different. The key difference is you run into Dorian in the hallways and Eisman floats through the walls like a ghost. Who you
0: never the, see. The the time our timeline separated when that happened.
1: <laughs> when you bumped into Peter. When
0: I bumped into Pierre Dorian, something shifted
1: in the uni- hockey universe and now Pierre Dorian is is Pierre Dorian. Now it's flaming hot Pierre summer and in the other uh, universe Eisman is tanking and didn't sign all of those free agents. Oh my god, we're on to something. We'll see how
0: this all plays out. Yeah,
1: yeah. Where's the, the top prospects game next year? Do we need to book a trip? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> just to kind of settle things. This is, the whole Marvel like multiverse saga is actually uh just a cautionary tale for what's happening right now. The real world. The the Wing Wheel podcast expanded universe. Uh the evolving hockey projection for Lucas Raymond on an 8-year deal is uh 7.678 million. So, and again, that comes with the flavor of, well, what's the salary cap going to be? And even the best models, which I think, you know, there are some pretty good ones out there for what contract projections are. um, It's really unpredictable because NHL revenue is so wild and we'll see what jersey ads uh, do to things and and how quickly they can move up that timeline for, for players to repay owners. And that's why, you know, eight by eight isn't so scary because the cap will probably be higher, but still... Six, seven, eight years, no lower than that is is what I'd say for Lucas Raymond.
2: Well, six would be the kiss of death because doesn't that walk him right to f- unrestricted free agency, or maybe buy one UFA year if I'm doing my math on that right? It's in- one UFA year, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, you wanna you're either in it for the short term so that on the second contract you're buying a lot of UFA years, or you just buy a lot of UFA years right out of the gate.
1: One thing I'll say, and you know, we, we talked a lot about Larkin and Bertuzzi's contract le- last episode and now Raymond's, and we're going to be talking more about siders. If you have two key contracts, probably the two most important contracts you have to worry about for the long-term future of the Red Wings, and those are coming up in 2024, 2025, what do you need to prepare for that? Good amount of cap space now. A whole lot of cap space in 2023-2024 and a good amount of cap space coming up again in 2024-2025. In 2023-2024, the Red Wings, you know, after Larkin and Bertuzzi are signed, it'll be different, but they do have money coming off the books. The UFA labels on cap friendly for Detroit are plentiful. It's just red straight down that column. And and similarly for 24-25, there are a lot of contracts coming up. It's not like none of those players will come back. But Iserman has the flexibility he'll need. We're now approaching, though, you know, that territory where we don't just say on the podcast, ah, you can sign this guy because you have infinity cap space. You know, if you had a nickel for every time you heard one of the winged wheel podcast, hosts will say that that's going to go away. And maybe it'll be made easier by the cap rising. But we're going to get into a situation where the cap management chops are going to have to be displayed again by Steve Iserman and the Red Wings brass. So getting there pretty soon. All thoughts and prayers go out to the Dallas Stars owner who (laughs) just hates the fact that he has to pay a guy who's young, (laughs) which is so funny to see. Okay, uh, before we move on, I do want to let you know that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by NordVPN. Are you missing out on a game or your favorite show because it's not available in your region? Let me introduce NordVPN. Using NordVPN in a click of a button, you can watch and browse as if you're anywhere in the world, making sure you never miss a game and can watch whatever content you'd like. No need to travel across the continent or oceans for your favorite team when NordVPN brings them right to you. With over 5,000 server options, no game or show is out of your reach. Using the link nordvpn.com slash wingedwheel, you can receive a huge discount on NordVPN's cybersecurity two-year plan plus four free months. We, of course, all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal, too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. And they've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund and you can pretend the entire thing never happened. Check out our special link, nordvpn.com slash wingedwheel to get your subscription started today. Danny DeKaiser, not retired. PTO with the Vancouver Canucks. Good for him. Good for Danny. Professional tryout is what PTO means for those who don't know. Uh, doesn't guarantee a contract. Doesn't guarantee that if there is a contract, it's with Vancouver Um it just means that a team is bringing him in he will be part of camp maybe a little bit longer and they get a better look at him he gets to stay on the ice look i was all in favor for Danny de no longer being on the red wings i love the player or i love the person i love what he did earlier in his career for the red wings um but with injuries and surgery and he had a really rough go of all of that it just took out the parts of this game his game that made him viable so a lot of appreciation for what he brought to the Red Wings. Candidly happy he's not on this uh, decor, but hey, you know, if the Vancouver Canucks want to give him a shot, good for him. Maybe he can go there and, and fill in as a seventh defenseman, a veteran presence in the room. That'd be great. Could also help me at the minimum for veterans in preseason games.
2: <laughs>
0: yes.
1: Remember UC Yokin and Sten as a Red Wing? I do. Look, man, I was always a big UC Jokinen fan. <laughs> I've always wanted UC. UC and Oli. I'm, those guys were fun in the NHL. The waffles GIF was just like OG hockey internet. I still era. never did find out like exactly what the hell he was doing to inspire that that GIF. We'll call it. There's a thirty percent chance that a waffle was actually floating through the air because that's the only thing that can reasonably explain his his movements in yeah. that particularly uh, lore of the ho- of hockey Twitter or uh, some pretty potent smelling salts. Yeah, yeah, some are no joke, oh my god I've almost, uh, like, I almost fell backwards off the bench once Because especially when someone does it to you They crack the smelling salts without you, like, expecting it Like, that is pretty much a punch in the face
2: So we had the little sticks at the beginning of the year, last year That you just snapped and did, and those were, like, strong But they weren't, like, crazy strong But I don't know what happened, but, like, you just couldn't get them By, like, Mm Christmas time So we, my team got, like, that little jar of smelling salts let me tell you. The jar is dangerous. I could hear colors after taking a, sm- a whiff of that. I, I now know what the universe smells like.
1: Yeah. Who needs the uh, James Webb telescope? Just send Brad out there. Oh, man. Just take a whiff of one out of that bottle and you're there. Um, okay. Some NHL-wide news. Kirby Dock got himself a four-year contract with the Montreal Canadiens uh, at about $3.36 million per year. So they brought in Kirby Doc. they've made their bet, and they've, they've given him four years to basically do better than what he's done since uh, his really high draft stock. Uh, was a little surprising to some that he was picked that high and uh, didn't work out in Chicago. So what do you make... Brad, because you've been completely ambivalent, completely neutral on Kirby Dock, what do you make of this contract? You said you have a theory. There's, there's two
2: ways I see this playing out for the Montreal. Well, three, but you know we'll call it two and a half. The first is Kirby Dock is what he has been. And the Montreal Canadiens are now slightly overpaying a third line center to navigate the rough years of a rebuild. Cause they're, they're starting into it now. It's going to be a long road. So much like Detroit for the last seven years, cap space doesn't really come at a premium. So if he doesn't live up to it, kind of a, it's annoying, but no harm, no foul. Or Kirby doc is what most people thought he was going into the draft. And he, over the course of this contract, which gives him a lot of runway to do so by the way, which is relevant uh, pops off and becomes, you know, 50, 60, 70 point player at center with size. Um, again, the odds of which happen, I don't think really matter um, relative to where Montreal is at. And we'll call it the rebuild. Um, so if Kirby Doc does outperform this contract and he is a, let's say, 60 point, highly skilled six foot four center on a Pretty cheap contract. Would that not get just an absolute haul in trade in the middle of a rebuild?
1: I can't believe I'm saying this about a player playing in Montreal in front of those fans, but this is kind of the perfect place for Kirby Doc to be. To I don't want to say revive his career; it's not dead. Uh, But regain his form to prove third overall wasn't that big of a mistake. Regain is also probably a little generous because he never had it. To prove the thing he's never done above junior. But yeah, like you alluded to, Brad... You know there's not going to be a lot of pressure to perform at his first line center status for example there is he might play there at a default looking <laughs> at that roster but <laughs> there is some talent for him that he might get some time with and in Montreal will get better they're probably going to land Bedard or, or Meechkoff or something uh in this upcoming draft and yeah he has runway four years it's it's a gamble I think it's a gamble for sure but kind of a smart one by Kent Hughes in Montreal. It's. I think you illustrated it really well, Brad. Like there's it's not a it's not a win-win, but the upside is really high for Montreal and they have multiple outs. And the
2: downside is only mildly annoying. I mean, you know, it's not unheard of for big skilled forwards to take a lot of time to develop. I mean, before this past season, Tage Thompson's career high in goals was 8. And he's in his mid 20s. So the four years, uh, like there's a reality here. Kirby Doc does basically nothing interesting in the next three years. And in that fourth year, it just all finally clicks for him. Not, again, the most likely scenario, but yeah, for, for a guy like Kirby Doc, it's important to have runway and to not put pressure on him to, got to do it this year, pal, at age 21. Don't do it now. It's never going to happen for you. It's like, okay. Take your time, figure things out, step-by-step, one thing at a time, no pressure. We're not playing for a cup. We're not playing for playoffs. Do your thing, man, figure it out. And then, you know, if at some point over these four years, he all pieces it together, Montreal's laughing because either A, they're going to have one of the most valuable trade assets in the NHL, a highly skilled young centerman under who's cost controlled at a great cap hit. Or they keep him around as, oh, hey, we have this highly skilled six foot four centerman for however long.
1: There's going to have to be like a put a coin in a jar status for every time we say. And the cap is going up. So that contract's only going to get a little friendlier.
2: I don't think I said that at all there.
1: No, but Evan and I, I was about to say. It. Okay, OK. Yeah. And Evan and I have probably said it three times an episode.
0: For the past. 2 months I think. Yeah.
1: I just don't know
2: like when you guys say that like I know there's a monkey paw curling somewhere and I don't want to <laughs> see what's at the other end of it.
1: Okay, but in all seriousness, something to consider here <laughs> the what cap if is that the cats doing go... gonna... yeah. <laughs> It it just further's uh Brad's point. So smart move by Montreal. We'll hear from uh Evan's buddy on uh what Montreal fans think about it, I'm sure, good or bad. I think he told me, but I do not recall what
0: he
2: said.
1: Oh well, if it wasn't absolutely rabid, that means it was is pretty neutral. Yeah, because that's usually how it goes with uh, Montreal hockey fandom.
2: Yeah, when uh, Montreal fans really, really like something, their facial reaction is general like just mild disdain.
1: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> when they really don't like something, you'll hear about it. Oh, will you? And it possibly is, feel it. It is one of the. It, I I still say it's one of the most electric atmospheres in hockey when. Montreal fans are filling the Bell Center and are at 110
2: and Montreal's good
1: yes uh okay Brad I think you'll like this one rule change um upcoming season referees will now be able to nullify a major penalty after video review so you know major penalties were reviewable but they could either keep it or knock it down to a minor Which a lot of people felt was silly because what if after the review you realize you completely botched the call and it shouldn't have been a penalty at all. So now they're able to altogether nullify it. So if you say, if you hear someone old say, there's nothing in the rule book that says you can overturn a penalty so there's no point in complaining, that is now by rule wrong and they can nullify the major penalty. One of the very few times common sense prevails. (laughs) Brad to the refs uh tragic one of the worst people you know just made a good point <laughs> yeah
0: on the other p- other hand it's more time spent in replay and review
1: i never really found it to be an issue cuz major penalties are not so common where i don't know o- offside reviews are yeah how many times in a game could a player possibly go offside many
2: <laughs> Many. How many times does a guy get barreled from behind into the boards, or get high-sticked into the face, where there's blood everywhere? There's not many major penalties in a game
1: why am i keen on nhl revenue to go up and for players to pay back owners from you know the covid essentially forward of of contracts whatever uh not so the salary cap can go up and not so the gridlock of contracts goes away it's so that they no longer have an excuse to not have the tech solutions in the boards in the overhead cameras to essentially give you a like equivalent to what uh, the english premier league has in var and tennis too yeah tennis has hawkeye you can do it i understand hockey's fast and there's a lot so of is
0: tennis tennis is crazy fast
1: i think hockey's a little bit more unpredict- unpredictable also uh alcaraz won the u.s open which oh good is, for him yeah love that guy um it... kind of look like him
0: except he's more athletic yeah and, taller.
1: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and much richer now yeah is he taller he seems short. Gonna, I'll, I'll head to my bets. He's a best professional season. tennis player. Like short for him is
2: probably like six one. He is. Uh, yeah, he's about. It's like yeah. the time I went to a Raptors game and I was laughing at how small Kyle Lowry was compared to the rest of the team, and then I found out he
1: was six two. I think one eighty is six feet. <laughs> he's he's uh, three inches taller than me. So he's he's about six feet. I mean, he's about six five. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so on
2: the six six feet. that would put you at what uh, five nine ish there.
1: Weird. No, Brian. too much math, Brad. Weird. No, remember, you i pull up my EP page and see what it's listed at. Oh, pull up my EP page. Those are all inflated. Yeah. They're all fake numbers. They are all fake, especially Brad's. Um, <laughs> anyhow, NHL, get the tech together because abolish offside reviews or keep offside right reviews or whatever. It's all a sideways argument. The answer is make offsides more accurate. End of conversation
2: do you see uh the three that three ice league that ran this summer that chain had a lot of the funky rule stuff yeah most of it wasn't practical for like a five on five nhl game but one of the things they tried that i think was one of my answers like way back when in one of the goofy Patreon exclusives actually worked really well and no downsides presented themselves in a very small sample size mind you netting counted as over the glass counted as in play I don't know how I feel about that one. But- it was fun. It it created a lot of like chaos in the ozone. It was it was a like it kept the flow of play going. It eliminated the stupid puck over glass penalty, uh, unless you really botched it. But like obviously that what that situation wasn't going to come up in a three on three league. And yeah, like you know you get it up high enough and it pops down. Players are trying to find it and then it hits the ice. Fun ensues remember the more mistakes, the more
1: chaos, the more fun hockey is in general. So, okay. Um, I want to talk about Marco Casper and what he's been doing. It's still very, very early on, uh, in his season over there, they had champions league games. Um, it's not just SHL over there. Uh, this is, uh, I'm quoting Eisman's season on Twitter. He did a good job of, of summarizing this. The first block of Champions League games for Rogla uh, wrapped up. Casper finished tied for the team lead with six points, two goals and four assists. Uh, Wallander uh, was the team's best scoring defenseman with five points in four games. Um, it was against weaker opponents, but Casper has been showing up well. And if you watch his highlights, it's not just the production where, you know, it's it's a goal that someone else tipped in or uh the goalie probably had his five hole wide open or whatever it's his puck protection was excellent and he displayed some really cool small flashes a little skill there especially for a guy where you're like is he going to be skilled enough to produce really like what i see from marco casper so far at the start of his season
2: yeah you could say he's playing weaker competition but so sort are of the rest of his teammates
1: yeah right cider was playing weaker competition over there you have to hope that you know, a, a first round pro or a high first round pick coming in and hopefully making the Red Wings next season makes it seem like his opponents are weaker competition. You want to you want to have that qualifier all year, so good production to start something you want to see Casper keep doing, and it seems like he's doing it in exactly the right ways. Where any concerns or anything in the cons column, or where you're like, okay, here's what makes this guy not the first overall pick, he needs to work on X, Y, and Z. X, Y, and Z seem to be coming through so far. So, Marco Casper, you are this year's um, Simon Edmondson, Moritz Sider, Lucas Raymond, and it's continuing the tradition of being glued to ice hockey gifts and uh, seeing what he's doing. It's nice that we have a Red Wing doing that each year overseas. Okay, one last thing. Tortorella in Philly is either going to be... (laughs) Is either going to be
0: where's hbo when we need them
1: how is this
2: not already preemptively an espn 30 for 30 or e60
1: duck? nhl anyone working at the nhl listening to this it is printing money listen to what brad and evan just said put a camera in the room have your best friend's little 12 year old kid edit the episodes it doesn't matter the content is going to make itself Put a camera in that room. Make it available for people to watch. It is either going to be a resounding success of epic proportions or a a catastrophe. Tortorella has not coached a single game for Philly this season. And he's already said, I have major concerns about the room. And we're going to have to start correcting them. They sent an email out to the team that basically said, get your shit together. It is going to be an absolute.
0: They said everyone had to move, be in Philly September 1st.
2: Yeah, and better be in shape for training camp. Uh, paraphrasing, of course, because it's going to be an absolute bagger the whole time. <laughs> my God, if I'm Ivan Rob right now, I'm on my agent every day. <laughs>
1: get me out of here. Get me a trade. Look. That's
2: what they signed up for. I'm they not- didn't
0: get caught off guard by what John Tortorella was going to do. This is the MO and that's, I think what they want.
2: This is is what ownership and management wanted.
1: Yeah. Uh, Players might not uh, reciprocate, but Torts isn't doing this if this isn't, yeah, exactly what he was recruited to do. And you know, frankly, Philly needs it.
0: They're a little poopy pants. (laughs) Like they're a bit of a joke right now. They are. They're a wayward ship with no direction.
2: Yeah. Is that the player's fault though? Well, I mean, or is that more roster construct? Like, yes, it's the players' fault,
1: but like the players aren't the ones who constructed that roster. The players definitely underperformed, and the players are—it's lo- looking rocky. I agree. That's Chuck Fletcher in a big way, but you know what? A lot of people had a lot to say about Sutter coming into Calgary and whether he was right. But people don't like this because everyone, fo- everyone wants to focus on you know what is perceived as modernization and and how you foster a team that's purely based on skill, but. Cohesiveness in a room and, and taking hockey at the NHL level like professionals, and having the right chemistry and the right attitude, it's hard to quantify, but it's important.
0: Some people respond are very receptive to harsh criticisms and having a very short leash from their coach or their boss or whatever. This could be exactly what they need.
1: I think a while back I said John Tortorella is one of those coaches where. Uh it used to be where he had like 2 to 3 seasons in a room and then he lost them cuz he just burns him out and I was like I think he's gotten better and I think his next gig won't be that way.
0: He certainly has gotten better.
1: Yeah, I, I think his this next gig might be that way though. <laughs> it's going to be he's a he's
0: a spark thrown into a room full of explosives. Yeah,
1: oh, 100%. It's It'll gonna be, be fun. fun. It's gonna yeah. be fun.
0: <laughs> There'll be a lot of sound bites this year.
1: Get a camera in that room, please. Also, to to any Philly fans listening. Sorry, I think. You're welcome. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Circling back to Ottawa. Anyone got any theories why Claude Giroux signed there?
1: Uh, he's always wanted to be in Ottawa. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, Philly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good for him on getting out okay uh folks we're gonna jump into overtime here overtime is brought to you by our patreon supporters uh patreon.com slash wheel podcast uh before we start taking questions from them here's some of the things that you get by joining the winged wheel podcast patreon the dub dub club so to speak uh you get your questions read out on air during an episode or if not uh your questions still get read out in our patreon exclusive overtime which we um record right after every main episode you get access to the any patreon exclusive episodes which are generally weekly j- through the off season and we sprinkle them in throughout the year as well you get access to the wing View podcast di- podcast discord and a new benefit this year that we are just announcing now more details to come soon but we have tickets to every single red wings game this season and most of them Are going to be going directly to our patreon supporters we have uh, some that we're holding off to raise some uh, money for the jamie daniels foundation and some other initiatives that we're running but every single uh, red wings game there's going to be two tickets given away and the majority of those will be going directly to patreon supporters more details uh, on who might win and how all of you are automatically entered so just by being a patron you have a chance uh, of getting tickets to a red wings game so that's just some of the benefits of being a member of the dub dub club. So if you want to join patreon.com slash wing um, and Evan will sign something for you. Allegedly. Yes. Allegedly. Some people have an Evan Lopsinger autograph. Okay. Uh, let's take a question here from name level sponsor. Actually, Zachary Rogers it says, Hey guys, first off, I'm so excited for when podcast night. My question is if we traded a guy like Bertuzzi, who do you think the wings would get in return? Excluding Canadian teams, obviously. Which I wouldn't necessarily say exclude Canadian teams. Things will change at some point. Uh, but who might the Red Wings get in return? What are some examples of players or assets?
2: Um, a good roster player, a premium prospect, and a first-round pick.
1: Does anything change about a potential Bertuzzi return? Like in the universe where they go down the path of trade. Does anything change about a potential Bertuzzi return if the team is looking really competitive?
2: Do you define really competitive? They let's say Okay, trade deadline. Where are they in the standings? They're in a playoff spot. How
1: much gap between them and nine? Let's say four points. Let's say let's, let's put it this way. They could either miss or make the playoffs in the last day of the season. Are
2: they even in the same stratosphere as the big three in the Atlantic? No, no. Doesn't change a thing. You still make futures your primary. Uh, yeah. A thousand percent. You have to, you have to, getting absolutely whacked in the first round of the playoffs uh, is not worth the haul you would get for a player like Bertuzzi. Now, if we're comfortably in a playoff spot and you're at least close enough to the teams above you that, you know, hey, there's a chance we could steal this playoff series, like we're at least in it. Okay. I, I wouldn't I would still lean to trade Bertuzzi, but I would absolutely be uh, understanding of why you wouldn't.
0: Or if they're projected to play the least in the first
2: round. But then again, it also could just, you take the other approach of, okay, we're obviously in a position where it's not ideal to trade him. We better figure out an extension then and kind of put wheels to the ground on that.
1: Okay. Um. Brian Burr says, Hey guys, can't wait for the next Wink wheel podcast night with the prospect tournament and training camp coming up. Which players do you think are not getting talked about enough and who should we keep an eye on as we get closer to the season?
2: So we're talking about specifically, um, players who are playing in the prospect tournament or training camp. Okay. Uh, well after the prospect tournament, uh, got announced, we have made a shockingly low number of Yvonne Yvonne, uh, references on <laughs> on this podcast and uh, I'm disappointed in us for that. Um I don't know, it's going to be a tough one cuz you know Kosas gotten a ton of attention, Edmondson's gotten a ton of attention. I'll even say Sabrango's got a lot of attention with uh you know winning a gold at the World Juniors recently as as an assistant captain. I'm I don't know if he deserves more attention, but I'm just curious really
1: curious to see what cross hannis is about this year okay that's a really good answer yeah cross hannis has you know had peaks and valleys uh in his prospect career and he's really interesting it might be might have just come off a peak he's like a poor man's kent johnson
2: like his puck skills are ridiculous like if he can put it all together the tools are are special um but there's like not to be harsh there's a million players in junior like that and most of them don't pan out for a reason um, but Hannes obviously is is ahead of a majority of them, um, you know, getting picked in the second round, making it this far, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but more so beyond just the obvious intrigue around cross Hannes, the Red Wings, you know, getting Marco Casper and, and Buchelnikov and Dylan James helped this year, their forward pipeline still for the most part sucks. Yeah. So they need... Uh, someone like across Hannes to pop off. Because even if you look at the long-term, if you, if you hit on Buchel on the cob, you hit on Soderblom and you hit on Casper, <laughs> there's still a lot of spots to fill. And obviously you don't fill all those spots from prospects.
1: There's trades, there's veterans. I get it. Um, but but you, you need some. Hannes is a good one. Um, obviously Soderblom is going to have a lot of eyes on him. I think it's early to expect too much, but from what we've seen so far, Amadeus Lombardi could be, yeah. you know, a steal of a pick from wh- where he was taken.
2: That's the fun one in the category of, we expect nothing, but. But,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, one of the most interesting guys where if the Red Wings didn't make the moves they did this summer, we'd have a, be having way more conversations about him. So he might have been pushed unduly down the conversation chart, so to speak. Albert Johansson there are some people out there who are still saying don't count him out for a roster spot and I a lot would have to happen for him to make it but Albert Johansson is going to be vying to be a a full-time Detroit Red Wing sooner rather than later and you know he has to come over and have a great year uh I think in the AHL to make that a certainty I think there's just too much filled roster space ahead of him but could be injuries could be trades he could just come and be absolutely lights out um Simon Edvinson complicates that a little bit for him but I'm really curious to see Albert Johansson if he doesn't make the Red Wings it doesn't mean he failed he's a really intriguing prospect to watch
2: he's probably a two-year Griffin but what I'm really curious about Johansson is if he does go to Grand Rapids and Edvinson also goes to Grand Rapids what their seasons compare to each other I think would be fascinating yes yeah definitely
1: bill Nye the thigh guy says hey dub dub boys the patreon content this uh season has been especially good and loving all of it thank you for the quality content and i have a gear question this is for you brad i've been using a, a warrior w28 qre 40 and i think i want to transition to something that can make cleaner passes since i play defense now hey congratulations uh what would you recommend that's what evan used to play what would you recommend for the most uh for most defensemen to try out and what is a little bit less curved version of a w28 this may be a question for ryan since he uh plays d or the problem is that i don't know how to make clean passes and need to work on it cheers boys
2: don't ever ask ryan for advice on gear we've heard we've <laughs> yeah. if you listen to the patreon yeah.
1: exclusives you've heard ryan's on ice bring back Ad- the, adventures uh, bring back the nike apollo or the silver listen, uh, and you don't Red get the reference
2: the one good
1: opinion you he's have asking that. about sticks listen
2: okay <laughs> curve uh so if we're sticking with warriors specifically um If you're looking for that all-around curve, that would be the W03. Um, That's the P92 for Bauer, the P29 for CCM, the TC2-5 for True. They're all the same curve. They're universal. It's the most popular curve, or at least most popular curve players work off of, because obviously NHLers customize it. Um, I I use it personally, so I can uh, speak directly to it. Uh, It's the most versatile curve it's the same shape as the W28. It's just not nearly as aggressive. Um, and it opens up a little more. Um, so then you'll be able to handle on the backhand and, you know, it's shaped perfectly for a good saucer pass. Um, really, really good one to use. So I would start there and, uh, you know, cause if you go from, uh, P- W28 all the way to a W88, it's going to feel like you're learning to play hockey again. So, If the uh, W03 doesn't work with you, then the 88 would probably be the next one down the line. All
1: right. Evan, any thoughts on hockey gear? Nope. Evan, any thoughts at all right now? The only thing I'm thinking about is bed. You're still two hours away from your bedtime. Oh, no. You're going to bed earlier than 1030 tonight? I'm going to bed as soon as I get home. Oh, my God. You're so old. I'm very old. I feel my age today. Dude, you don't have a kid yet. I can't believe I'm advocating for like I, I'm bradding this right now, but you don't have a kid yet. What are you going to do? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I may not survive this. (laughs) That's right. All right, folks, uh, old man needs to get to bed. We have to record our Patreon exclusive overtime. Thank you all so much for tuning in again. uh, Winged wheel podcast night tickets are on sale. Get yours today. Detroitredwings.com slash WWP or go to the link uh, in the description or check out Twitter at winged wheel pod. And if you want to join our Patreon, help support the show, Uh, get entered to win tickets to every single Red Wings home game this year. Uh, patreon.com slash wing wheel podcast for all of that and even more benefits we'd like to thank everyone who tunes in you know the new season is coming and we're really excited to jump into probably the best red wing season we've had hopefully since we started this podcast at least in terms of overall, overall outlook all of our new listeners new and old all of our um Our patrons, the sponsors of this episode, NordVPN, and all of our name-level sponsors on Patreon. Arjun Shanker, Yves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefur, the Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, Nick Perks, Terry Driver of the number 69, Crying Ryan Hans, Banana Slam and Jamathon, Matthew M. Rice, Ben Hurd, Brandon M., Carl Brutin and Chimmy, Chris P., Citizen High Five, Connor Scovey, Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert. Hassam Al-Kassem, I tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, it doesn't even as there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos and that, oh, <laughs> uh, happy 40th, Joseph. Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Kaitlin Wood, Kevin James, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, Nedelkovic, goalie number one, Nicholas Fritz, RA, Ryan Hanna, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, the podcasting couch. Zachary Rogers, General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog is a Stanley Cup champion, Ben Barron, Brian Vasha, Connor Leighton, Darren Fick, Dave W., a- Evans Three Wack, Evans Happy Meal Parking Garage, Philip Zadiz Nuts. <laughs> and I'm actually surprised it took that long for one of those to come out. Griffey Boy, In a Vacuum, it's Fine. And I'm Evan. James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, J.M. Rapsey, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Burgos, Matt S., Maximilian, uh, Melissa Erickson, Papa Woody, Puck Norris, Reed, Ryan Hanna. Ryan Hanna's good doppelganger. <laughs> Thick Rick. Oh, my good doppelganger. That means my mother is actually proud of you. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel podcast. Be
0: sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wingedwheelpod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna, WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.